0: Oh, finish from Lita, here yeah, to the box, hotter. will he go for gold? goal, goes for goal, here it is! drop here,
1: off the line, high ring,
0: and Welcome to the Bees Analytica podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 12. On this week's podcast we'll be discussing some of the big transfer rumours or transfers that have happened in the week a bit of the COVID outbreak and Derby's crippling finances with the potential takeover. To start it off though, I am joined by my usual two, Alfie and James. Welcome gents, have we had a good week?
1: Yeah, very good, thank you. Thank you very much. How's your week been?
0: It's just odd, isn't it, now? Brentford don't have any football for the next two weeks and then kind of brings us straight into the start, doesn't it? With COVID crippling quite a few clubs already. I know Brentford aren't the only one now to have postponed their next two fixtures. I just, yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. I think Peter from All About Stats, I think it it was, did a really good thread about how the football bubbles aren't working nowadays because the infection rate is in line pretty much with the national average. I think it's like one and a half percent or something ridiculous like that. And that's currently now in line and the football league is pretty much bang on with that. So it would show the bubbles aren't working. Do we think that maybe we might need a two-week break then potentially or... No, Just keep blowing
1: ahead. Not at all. Unfortunately. I mean, I, I think I read an article about it yesterday, actually. Um, it's, we have 33 days from the end of the season to the start of the Euros for seasons to be complete.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And so you start a two-week break, that moves you down t- quite dramatically to about 15 days. Now, if it suddenly doesn't change anything and teams still have to postpone their game for two weeks, you're playing right up to the start of the Euros if games don't continue to be delayed. So I, I unfortunately don't think it'll work. I don't think a two-week break will work. I, I don't think two weeks would be enough, in which case it's there's no
2: point doing it, as Alpi says, with the Euros being so close. I think they either need to indefinitely stop it until so they can get more of a handle on, on it all, So, like it was in July. But I think that break would cripple clubs even more than the first break. Then we'd see even more clubs go bust. So I just think the way they're doing it now, you know, some teams are going to have breaks, some aren't. Everyone's going to eventually play all their matches. I just, you know, especially in, in this lockdown, I know it's not their jobs to entertain us, but if football goes off TV, well, I'm going to be lost in, the, in this lockdown. And it's, you know, it's tough enough, as so it is for everybody else. So, um, no, I I don't think... The outbreaks have been serious enough, to be fair. It's been three or four players here and there. I just think we just, just plough on and go on with it, I
0: think. Yeah, well, yeah. I was going to bring up that conversation about the whole Bristol thing. It just doesn't seem like clubs have got to grips with it or are being effective in the way to deal with it. If you read that Bristol City statement from Dean Holden, it was just full of holes and questions of, well, how are you doing? Well, before they cancelled the Brentford game. Like, I don't know if any of you boys have read it, but for a brief overview, you basically said there were symptoms as they came into training on the Friday for some members of the squad, but then we split up into coaches, staff and players on two different coaches. We're travelling down on the M4 towards London when we got a call from the media team telling us the game was postponed. Like, I, I don't get on any logic of how that's safe, how that was planned like that. Um, 12 hours before a game that no one had been tested despite potentially having symptoms and playing teams that had had positive cases
1: I can see why they weren't tested because obviously it was a bank holiday so the testing sites weren't working really but yeah I think something's not right because they've clearly Bristol have asked for it to be postponed but then travelled anyway and you think if you're asking for a game to be postponed you wouldn't go anywhere. You wouldn't get into the two coaches. You would go tell the players go home and isolate and hope and then hope for the best for yeah. the game to be postponed. But yeah. I think the e I think what needs to happen is the EFL needs to come out with guidelines of if you have more than five people with symptoms or something, mm-hmm. then everyone needs to go home, get tested, and then we'll decide whether your game gets postponed or not. Rather than yeah. Brentford are falling
0: yeah. into that boat now because obviously we, the FA Cup have implemented about 14-met squad member rule that you have to have if, if you have less than 14, then that's the only time it will be postponed. But Brentford yep. obviously club together 14 to play, and then now had a massive outbreak again among the squad. Yes. so So don't understand now how that's safe. You protect so people; these are people's lives, for goodness' sake. We don't know if half these players. Live with vulnerable members of family. Live with wife, partners, children that might be vulnerable. I know Deany spoke out quite a lot about his youngest child or child had asthma yeah. and respiratory issues, so that he doesn't want to put him at risk. It just seems to have lost grip on that.
2: Yeah, the um, the EFL and the EFA need to come out with stronger, stronger guidance. And I also think they need to be stronger on players that do break the rules. I know we saw it a lot over Christmas, but that's the root of a lot of the Premier League. Or teams, is those players all mixing? And then, so for, for me, the way I deal with it is, if your players have been caught breaking their rules, it's an automatic three point. You lose to three points, and you, you seed the game because that's the only thing that's going to get into their skulls. It's a serious matter. You can't just say, "I don't. Know, we'll, just, we'll just replay the game at another point."
0: No. I think, I think the yeah. issue is though, with something like Brentford, because they are a London-based club, and we've seen this whole new variant topic and much Frank or the people that have tested positive, Andrew might not have been even in contact with someone that long, but because they don't know enough about the, infect- the the variant or the new one, how do we know Frank hasn't just got it from going shopping, or one of the players has picked it up by someone in their flat or apartment building lives there that has got it? You know, then you're punishing teams three points. How's that fair? It's I totally agree with you. This punishment is needed, but then where do you draw the line? Because necessarily Brentford might not be at fault for this. They might have been and five or six players might have gone out to shops and done stupid stuff that they shouldn't have. Then fair enough I totally agree with you. But they should deserve at least banning or like a red card offence or a fine of some nature. But if it is just a case of Frank has been in contact or one of the members of the squad has been in contact with someone for five minutes in a shop or a supermarket or an aisle how can they control that? You, You can't limit them and stop them living
2: well that's when it's down to the club's investigations and there's the club and the EFL and and people being owning up and, mm-hmm. and you know, making you know if they do bend or break the rules and they need to own up to it because it's it could be it's a serious matter now
0: i'd say here you know, if clubs are investigating that's gonna be pretty easy ah no we found nothing gents sorry yeah
2: yeah that's true i guess but the, the clubs here need to be You know, they need to work alongside the FA and the EFL, not against them to try and gain I know it's sport and people do it, but this is a matter of public health here. And um, I think it's about time they all work together rather than looking to blame and then point fingers.
0: That's why I'm more in favour of the two week break. I think we can delay the Euros again a bit and push it back, which then means that whole ten to fifteen day window Alfie was on about earlier isn't affected. I think just have a hard reset. Strengthen up the protocols again. Get people that have been in contact or have the virus currently in part tested positive healthy and not infectious. I think get buildings secure and get the bubble rules certified and locked down. So this is what happens. This is what will happen if you break it, regardless of outcome, maybe because it's a deterrent then.
2: The last year, well, in the first lockdown, it took months and months and months for the figures to get low enough for people to be Mm -hmm you know, comfortable with sport going ahead, there's no guarantee that two weeks is going to be enough. I don't think it will. The figures if, we're seeing now is higher than we had in March. So what's to say people are going to want football to come back? And then once it's gone, that could be it for five, six months. And then the Euros is gone, at least at the World Cup next year, to be fair. So I wouldn't and, be completely against just scrapping the Euros anyway. But
0: On an individual standpoint, I think football's very different. You can have 30 people, or staff, players, and people in and around the club locked down.
2: But you're showing they can't. I it really think we've
0: is. lost that currently. I think clubs have started to get lax on it. They reduced the testing numbers from two to one a week. I know they've put it back up now, but that was an error on the EFL and the FA's part. Um, well, one error I heard
2: on talks for is that the EFL weren't actually testing their players in the first place. And that the, only, the EFL club were only being tested because of the FA Cup games coming up. If that is true, then that's scandalous how you can get send players out there without actually being tested. I know now that they've committed to doing two tests a week, but yeah. you know, the last few months, according to um, White and Jordan on TalkSport, the EFL weren't testing their players regularly. And that yeah, is sure. really is bad, sending those players out without being
0: tested. Yeah, but then the issue so comes with the topic of money. Well. I think Alfie will know better than most of us is the cost of testing. It's about four or five hundred quid a test. Yeah. Imagine that for a League Two team or a League One team or even a construction right championship sure. side.
2: Well, the PFA have come out and they're covering, aren't they? The um, two tests a week for the EFL now, but they, you know, they really should have had that sorted out before they restarted football. Because sending out players without being tested, especially with this new variant now, with it being so much more easy to transmit, it, it was only a recipe for disaster. I and mean, it's proving, you know, costly here with clubs' games being dropped left, right, and centre. Yeah, no, I, I totally
0: agree with you, but. That whole cash thing, and we'll bring it up a bit now, obviously. You look at someone like Derby. If you're telling me they had to spend probably 20-odd grand a week testing players off the top of my head and staff, their, their staff haven't even been paid yet. And you look at that situation, how are they going to justify as a club When are we know players are a bit isolated, we've had these kind of secure bubbles. We haven't paid our own members of staff. Why would we keep spending the money? We don't have it. I'm not to with each
2: other. This is where the governing bodies should should come in to help their clubs. It shouldn't be just down to the clubs, I, I don't think. I mean a lot of the clubs are still out there paying wages and paying transfer fees in the transfer market. So that's not obviously stopped all of them that much. But the ones that are seriously in need, they you know, they should be entitled to tests just as much as everybody else, and that's the job of, of the PFA, the FA and the EFL. But I don't then agree with people going out and splashing five, six, seven million on players when they obviously can't even afford to look after the ones they've got at the minute. That's not right.
0: So a weird game um, I think we get caught up in the semantics of transfer deals. I think people forget that when a player costs five million pounds, the actual money that will cost is five million across a good five six years on most cases. It's very, very infrequent that a player will cost five million pounds in that first year. Most yeah, so
2: and, a reasonable chunk. You could then put, you could then, you know, put that chunk that you're spending on that player right now towards testing.
0: I'm not disputing that that is the case, but would a football team rather they trust their players to cover themselves and protect themselves, and then not have to test because they trust they're sticking to the bubble, as most teams have? There's only a select few clubs across the that have to have games cancelled? Or would you spend money to recruit and potentially go up to another division where the money's better?
2: It's only going to get worse, though, with this new variant of the virus. If it is as easy to catch as everyone makes out, it's only a matter of time before it goes from one club to another. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you've got the whole domino effect. That's I do more. think I'm every, with every passing day, I'm getting more and more thinking that football could maybe do with a break. But I don't agree. With, I don't think two weeks will be enough. I do fear that if it does come off, then
1: it'll be a long time before it comes back. It'll be done for the season if it goes off now, I
2: think. Yeah, yeah. Unless they pause it and replay the rest of the season. because I don't think, having done that last year, I don't think they can now just scrap this one. they will have to at some point play it out. But I don't want to risk that, you know, football going off and not coming back till the 21-22 season. I'd rather just trust the governing bodies to do their jobs and make sure it's safe enough to play.
0: Still, I think the issue with COVID is a complex one. No one's quite got to grips with it. I think the shining example was the NBA with that whole Disneyland Paris stuff. But again, that is an American sport where there are hundreds and millions of dollars involved where each team literally had its own section of a resort and was locked into there for, I think it was two months in the end, was it? The entire NBA season? Obviously, we can't do that in... England, because there are just too many components. How do you tell Carlisle, who can't travel to Plymouth, who Brentford then can't travel up to somewhere like Blackpool or Blackburn? And it's, it's just a logistical nightmare. There is no central hub where you could lock teams in to accommodate for that many teams. Try, imagine trying to do that 72 teams, like so each league had a region of the country and was locked into <laughs> I just don't think it would work. No. But I think there just needs to be stricter rules
1: i think People... like that would work if it was like the end of season so say you calculate like they did in league one two for the playoffs that would work what points per game that... yeah and then you play the playoffs that would work because obviously it would only be six teams so you could easily fit six teams at st george's park for example
0: you're only halfway through a season how do you tell someone that they're because their points per game were good for half a season they could potentially now go up
1: and get my- mm, but that, that would have to be a solution for the worst case scenario you, yeah the worst case scenario if the season like you want gets postponed and doesn't come back on then you got to look at
0: I think of the thing they should do at on XG you know expect the goals get the tables out whoever's got the best XG four and against gets promoted
2: we're not getting into
0: XG Go with tables that's yeah COVID's a tricky one I think governing bodies uh facing an uphill struggle, I think they shot themselves in the foot a bit by letting teams like internally investigate, so Tottenham finding the Celso, Rigolón and that lot internally was just daft. I think the FA had a opportunity there to write, this is the rules, we stand on it. I think they've missed a trick there, I don't think they've covered themselves in particularly good light with the lack of punishment towards teams that have failed to fulfil fixtures grossly inconsistent across the board, someone like Leighton Oren wasn't allowed to play Tottenham, but then Man City were allowed to postpone and play Chelsea or play Man United. I think that inconsistency has again caused problems for themselves. But yeah, I'm mostly with James on this, and to the extent that I think he needs it longer than two weeks, but I think having a circuit breaker would at least reduce the numbers and get the bubbles back in control. And get the EFL and the FA and the Premier League to at least come up with an action plan to get football going again in a two-week window. Because something energy deal with yes. related issues.
2: Confidence and faith is waning with every passing week that football's governed well enough to be able to continue doing during this this current lockdown. Mm-hmm. I think they need to do something quite brave. You know and, and get this idea and, and put their head above the you know above the wall and, and do something about it to ensure that they can carry on because at the minute you know no everyone is slightly considering both options at the minute but it's on a nice really as to whether it carries on or stops
0: well i know we've discussed covid and the impact on finances now but let's now discuss transfers because that's everyone's favorite thing where there's thousands of pounds <laughs> have been thrown into these players. you know this is Something that, it just seems ridiculous that the first player we have on our list is Alfie, Alfie Doherty at Charleston currently. He was alleged to be rumoured for £650,000 to either stoke QPR or sort it. Like, you know, we go from one end to another. We talk about clubs probably going bust because of COVID. Let's now discuss clubs spending nearly a million quid on a 20, 21 year old left winger. So i open the floor up to you boys. Anyone want to start? What's your thoughts on him? Have you had a chance to watch
2: him? Yeah, I've not seen, I haven't physically seen much of him. Um, League One doesn't tend to be on TV a great deal other than the odd highlights. We get highlights once a week, but I heard a lot of good things about him in other sort of media. And um, someone so young, and he's not played a massive amount of games this season, really. Um, But he's one of the best creative players in League One with 6.85 triples a game, five crosses a game. 2.4 2.4 progressive runs per match. It's one of the best stats in League One. But it's interest, interesting how they're willing to load him back for cheltenham until the end of the season. I think if you know if they were willing to pay that much, you'd think they'd want him more or less in. But
0: At 21, maybe he's got a lot of upside to him. I've got it here. He's played just, just shy of just over 600 minutes in the league this season with 879 total minutes across all competitions. I agree with you, James. I was going to bring up some of the stats as the resident analyst here. But no, I think he looked really good in one-on-one positions, which you mentioned with the dribble numbers. He's also one thing you missed out on, but I saw he loves the wing, and his wing play is really good, keeping it nice and wide, even when he played out on the right, where he has done a few times. I think his crosses per 90, put him 11th, currently in the League 1 for per 90, which is just over 5. From watching his videotape, though, I think a raw talent. There's plenty of upside to him. I think he's got some really good tools to succeed at the level, at the next level. One thing we've missed out on is he's really he's really good off FIFA foot. I think he put some excellent balls in with his right, and then on the left-hand side where he's really effective. Does he slot in now, though, if we put him to a Stoke side? Considering that Charlton typically play a back, back four and sometimes reverts to that five, which Stoke tending to play more of that five at the back, three, three with them two wing backs. Do we think he's starts straight in over more than Fox or, ty- or do they just him ty- 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 ty-
1: No, I don't personally. I think that's why they're, they're looking at loaning him back. I think it also sweetens the deal for Charlton, obviously, because they get to keep the player for the rest of the year. But uh, maybe Stoke are looking at a change of style in the summer or something, because as you say, he's he strikes me as a, a guy that can play behind the striker in a 4231 kind of formation or he can play any of those three positions behind the striker sorry and obviously Stoke don't play with any of those three positions currently so i don't see him slotting straight in so that is potentially why they're loaning him back to get games and play but i i agree i think he i think Charlton were on a couple of weeks ago and i did watch the game and he did stand out as a player that could succeed he has all the ability it's just minutes on the pitch isn't it and i don't think currently you'll get that at Stokes, so
0: yeah if he's not breaking it's that argument is he's not breaking him really at, at league one level then what necessarily makes him good enough to step into the to jump, yeah. jump straight up I, I, just, I think i agree with you on both your boys points of he has the toolbox to succeed not necessarily now and especially with the adapting to a system essentially that he's not familiar with. But I think he's at 21, there's a lot of upside to him. Especially for, for, you think for anything for under a million, it's pretty decent value for a championship side, typically. You know, there's some pretty decent players that have cost under a million that are currently playing in the championship. So,
2: yeah, he's got a lot of years of development ahead of him. And realistically, they're not going to lose a lot of money on him. Someone will probably pay around that sort for him in three or four years' time if he's playing regularly in that Stoke side.
0: I think Stoke, have with ambitions, obviously, to push up probably the playoffs this season as their aim for them, would we agree? Or probably top two if they were really pushing it.
2: I, I think, think top yeah. two would be beyond them. I think top six, would be a, um, yeah. top six would be a good finish after last season.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I'm probably more inclined to agree with you on that point. So, yeah, I wonder if he slots in Would someone then like QPR to end up going there, as per the rumour mill? Would he then probably get more minutes in and probably fit into that QPR side better than he would somewhere like Stoke? Yeah, I I would think so. I think if he's looking at his
1: career prospects of how team play and everything, because if he's not just focusing on money, then I think QPR is quite a good shout. Because obviously they got that brighter size Samuels, but he's only got six months left in his contract. So mm-hmm. trains with him for six months. He probably goes in and slots in a Samuels position when he leaves for three in the most likely leaves for three in the summer. So I think it'd be, I think he would, the smarter move for him would be to QPR rather than Stoke. But you know, at the end of the day, money talks, doesn't it?
0: Well, yeah. And you, you say that as there's a, as a young man that's probably trying to set himself up for life, you know. At the end of the day, if you had the option to do one profession for this amount of money, but another job was offering exactly the same role was offering you more, you go to the one with more. It's just yeah, you know, it's the whole thing about footballers. And yeah, the, and the money is
2: potentially playing in the Premier League next year and QPR are still pretty much looking over their shoulder at League One next year. So I think the um you know, the, the size of the two clubs has probably played a part in that as well. Yeah.
0: yeah, I agree with you on that one. At the end of the day, I have no qualms with any footballer that goes for more money. Because at the end of the day, they, their potential career earnings is 10 to 20 years at best, where they have to make mu- as much money as possible to earn them a lifetime. And I have no issue with a player leaving to earn more. Because why wouldn't you? You would do it at any job you had. It doesn't matter how happy you were if someone offered you more money to do the same role, you are gone in a heartbeat. No, no worries about loyalty or anything. You're off. <laughs> so I think players that get stick for that, I don't agree with. Because they are just people. People need to, they need to earn their money quickly. But yeah, we'll see We'll see where a drunk ends up. Even if he ends up in Scotland, it'll be an interesting one to keep an eye on for this career path. But we'll bring on so the next one, potentially, that is all but confirms with Jared Braithwaite moving to Blackburn. I've got here down on my notes, does he really solve the defensive issues Blackburn have? What does an 18, 18-year-old six foot four centre-back bring to that Blackburn defence that they don't currently have? We'll start with you Red- uh, on this one. Uh,
1: threat from set pieces. A massive threat from set pieces. I have
0: no issue with them going forward. It's their defensive woes that have cost them in places this season. Oh, I know, but... A threat
1: from set pieces is massive. Always mm-hmm. is. Set pieces are a key part of this game. Um, good editor of the bull from what I've seen of... Limited from what I've seen of him. Um, but, you know, he's 18 years old, but he can't exactly go in and not improve that Blackburn defence. <laughs> he's kind of in a, a fortunate situation there, really. Well, I... uh...
2: Sorry, go i just saying they, they need bodies at the minute, Blackburn. I mean, they're missing Daniel Ayala, Derek Williams and Scott Wharton, the, the latter two for the whole season and Ayala for at least another month. To be honest, at the minute, they just need centre-backs to, to play. And 18 years old. He must have something in him to have forced Everton to nearly fork out a million quid for him from Carlisle. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had regular um, sort of squad appearances and, and bench brinkes in, in a Premier League side. So why not? It seems like a, a no-lose situation for him. Um, He's a cheap option mm-hmm. as a body in there, in, in there for
0: that. Yeah, if we were playing a bit of a guessing game then, boys, because I've got his total number of minutes he's played his entire career across the under 23s at Everton, first team at Everton and Carlisle. How many would we say roughly he's played if we were to be a guessing man at the age of 18?
1: First team at Everton and Carlisle. And
0: under 23s as well included that. It's total career minutes. He's
1: oh, the 23
0: appearances
1: for Everton's first
2: team and for Carlisle's together, so 19. I don't know how many 23's appearances,
1: but... 30-ed, 30-ed, uh, 30-ish, sorry, not id. Yeah, 30. appearances. Maybe See, a few more.
0: He's played just over 1,600 minutes in his entire career with 17.790s total. That's why question marks I have of him coming into to a Blackburn side that are have been struggling defensively this season for all their yeah. attacking brilliance. That is one area of weakness. I don't see him coming in and elevating that side.
1: No, but he's probably looked at it as an opportunity for him to play some games. Mm -hmm. As James has mentioned, the three big injuries, two are definitely not coming back for the rest of the season. So he's at worst, realistically, fourth choice. If he can play well in training, force himself in that side, no one's going to really come back and take the place off him, are they? So, I mean, nobody's
2: expected to try to push this deal through for him to be able to feature this weekend. I so did he's not- see it. Um, it was
1: the Elmira, yeah.
2: He's definitely going to be playing plenty of minutes, I think, mean, for this Blackburn side. And who knows, maybe it's not down to the what I'm trying that he's not had the minutes. I know he had a bad injury in the League Cup against Salford, I think, after like sort of 20 minutes. Um, he, had to, he had to come off. So, who who knows? Maybe there's a real gem in there that just needs the game time to, to prove point.
0: Oh god, yeah, no. No way am I writing him off. He's 18, for goodness sake. Like, <laughs> he's got plenty of room. I was just looking at it from a point. If Blackburn have ambitions this year to push up to a playoff pitcher, is he going to be the solution? But from a bit of a video review I had him, mean, he's really good on the ball. I like some of his stuff. His Carlisle days, obviously, everyone knows what Leeds is like and that comes with it. Not many teams attempt to play out in that division a lot of teams it's long balls down the channel he did very well in the air really, with that i agree with Alfie on that point the only concerns i do have he's not the quickest and his turn and his body shape sometimes gets him a little bit muddled up so his hips he was getting turned by the full or by a winger, sorry which then meant he couldn't recover quickly enough for the balls in behind him instead yeah. of yeah that is back,
1: the joy i had with
0: him as well he, he wasn't the quickest on the turn and I think if teams get balls in behind him, and we'll mention this later, there's another player, funnily enough, I've got similar to that. I think he struggled if balls were in behind. I have no qualms about him in the air. But yeah, one-on-one. On one. Sorry, Blackburn go on,
1: Blackburn play a very high line, don't they? High press, high line, really. That's what I remember, the Blackburn game. Mm-hmm. Very quick. Um, but look, it's his opportunity. Go and play some minutes. Earn yourself a place in the side. I don't see it as a lose for Everton. Not at oh, nice. all. Yeah, get a young
0: lad out. Get him Blackburn
1: need the players. So yeah. it's a no-brainer, really. It's just hopefully he can get in the side
0: now. 100%. And
1: even if he can't, then he's training with championship-quality players rather than Everton's under-23s. So, yeah.
0: I've got Hopefully. a brilliant quote here from Mowbray about him because I think it's all but confirmed now. He said, Mowbray said, as far as he was, he had to duck through the door to come through, which is a good sign. <laughs> so <laughs> I think Mowbray's probably looking forward to this one and see what he can do. I might be pleasantly surprised him if we address this in a couple of weeks, potentially. It'd be an interesting one for us to look at and see how he does.
2: Yeah, Blackburn getting the top six with the best defensive record of the second half of the season. You might have to eat some humble pie.
0: I'm more than happy to admit when I'm wrong most of the time. Like <laughs> most of the time, right? We'll bring it on to probably the most exciting signing I've seen jump from League One to the Championship in a long time—a rumored one and a half million or oh, one point five million pound signing. Sorry, in Ben Whiteman to Preston mm. North End. I've got my notes in front of me here and love it. It's basically my synopsis for this one. I think. I'll run through the numbers quickly on him. He's in the top 10% in all defensive stats for central midfielders in League One. He's in the top 10 to 20% in all of the passing stats in League One. He's all action, great feet, a great shot. He's currently Doncaster's top goalscorer with five goals this season. His progressive passing numbers is the fourth highest in outfield players in League One this season with 87%. He makes over half his passes as progressive and forward which is again the best in League One, His expected goals chain, which is basically where if a expected goal shot is 0.5, each player in that is given a 0.5, which is part of their chain, and what they bring in value to the team, basically. Nice and pretty simple oh, yeah. enough. His is 0.7, which puts him in the top two like one or two in the division. I can't oh. praise this man mildly enough. He has been absolutely electric this season. His range of passing, his all action defensive work, his bringing the ball forward, his attacking output. He is incredible. And for £1.5 million, Preston North End have an absolute steal. I think. But the only forward.
2: surprise. The only surprise is it's taken this long for him to get that move. I mean, he's been linked with leaving Doncaster for years. Mm. And he constantly keeps putting in these incredible seasons and stats. I think the only surprise is that
0: it's taken this long for someone to snap them up. 100%. I am very, very hot on Ben Whiteman. It was a case of who he ended up with. If he left, there were a plethora of clubs linked to him, QPR, Forest. just two of the names I remember off the top of my head. He improves Preston. He slots straight in and improves that midfield. No questions. I am very, very excited to see what he can do at this level. And, uh, you, oh, is,
2: is, is he a um, replacement, more or less, for Ben Pearson? Potentially even this window or the next window. Is, would he be a good like-for-like swap?
0: <sighs> like for likes, an interesting one, because it's always that question of how our players getting to adjust to the level? The question I would say is Ben Whiteman's younger, by a good year or two. And Pearson has been allegedly linked, especially with teams like Brentford and Celtic, or another two who seem to be coming up quite frequently. I think he slots in, and yeah, potentially if they're looking to move Pearson on. I know they've signed their captain. Oh, is it Alan Bowen? Alan Brown,
2: yeah. Alan wow. Brown, sorry,
0: signs a new contract, and I think yeah, I think Pearson might potentially be out of the door this window because it was six months left and unlikely to be signing a new one.
2: I mean, a three of Daniel Johnson. Brown and Pearson is a, very, is, is a very Preston midfield lineup, with, you know, strong British lower league players that they bring through and that they allow to excel. I think it's a... Um, I think it's... I'm pleased he's gone to a club like Preston because he'll get plenty of time to develop.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I
2: think he'll do well there, to be fair. I'm looking forward to seeing him in action in the Championship, finally.
0: Yeah. I, I honestly, I can't speak highly enough of him. From my research and the stats and the video... He looks really, really good. And I'm He's excited a
2: good to see. Well. He's got a good, you know, a good head on his shoulders. He's led Doncaster for a fair few years now with their armband, I think, if it's not been James Coppinger then Whiteman's been the, the backup. Mm-hmm. So I think um yeah, I think he'll do really well in the championship going forward.
0: Hopefully the thing is with Preston have ambition, they're kind of like Ipswich, were a few years ago. They've just kind of a different point of where Oh, crap, we now need to take it up a level and try and get promoted because it's all well and good being a secure championship side. But you'd want to be up in the richest league in football. And I think Preston, this type of signing shows that they can hopefully try and push on this off the season. I think if they can get on the cusp of the top six, that's a good season for them. And then hopefully with a few more additions coming to the side, they can then hopefully break that top six, you know? I, I know a few Preston fans have been worried that it's kind of gone stale a little bit under uh, O'Neal. But I think now this is a proper signing event for them. Of I Ryan's think the, go. Uh,
2: the signing of Ched Evans, I think, has met
0: with a slight uh,
2: trepidation from, from the Preston supporters. But I think this one will definitely cheer them up after the announcement a couple of weeks ago of the, uh, of the England striker.
0: Yeah, we spoke about it in the mid-season review, didn't we? About... Take away the baggage, uh, Chad Evans has with him. What the hell does he even... What does he bring on the footballing side?
2: He's not really hit the, he hit the heights that he did for Sheffield United. And that was about seven or eight years ago now. And he's older. He's got a lot more kind of off-the-field issues that he's had to, to deal with.
0: Baggage. <laughs> it's, it's to put it politely. Um, but we'll see. I think Preston are a team that... have. That's a really good sign and that midfield now has gone up a level. I look forward to seeing what they do this season or for the back back end of it. I know I've spoken at length now, but we'll let you two have your, your moment in the sun with Reading. We've got Pedro Mendes who's linked for a fourth consecutive window now with Reddin. I've I've got my notes here, but I'll let you two discuss it before I come put the fire out a little bit. So, go on, now the floor's yours. Pedro Mendes, what have, we, what have we seen of him? What have we looked into him?
1: Um... What have we seen of him? Not a great deal, if I'm honest with you. Um, we've been linked with him for a while now. As you said, it's, it's about four windows, which is two years. Um, so it's an interesting one. Clearly, he's been on our radar. A player we've been looking into and we've been wanting for a while now. And that is, a like, well, two years. That's three managers, really, that have been looking at him. And wanting to sign in for the club. So there's there's gotta be some talent there that three managers are agreeing that we're linked with him and you know we want him. Well, I I mean you're the stats man, but I, I don't think he's played a great deal this year. I don't mm. think when he's played he's been that impressive.
0: Would we like but the numbers I... on how much he's played? Because well, I've got a to add.
2: He's had ten of it, but just yeah. three starts brown yeah. areas.
0: Do you know how many minutes that's totaled to? No, but I know he's got 15, in, he's got 15
2: in 21 youth games this year.
0: 279 minutes he's played at Almada in the second division of Spanish football this season.
2: He has been out the last two weeks to COVID though. So I don't know if that would have made much difference. Yeah, but...
0: He's really not played.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think he's a he's he's a loan, he'll be cheap. He's six foot two, so he's built quite similar to, to, to Zhao. Maybe it suggests hopefully the Bulldog's on his way because Bulldog doesn't fit the style whatsoever. And I, I feel sorry for him out on the pitch because he just runs around and he looks a bit lost because he's well, not the He tries anymore. hard. He yeah, tries I, can't hard. Help. I can't knock him for his effort. He just doesn't fit the style. I and mean, for, for the best of his career, I think he needs to move to somewhere that plays with two strikers because that's what he calls out for. But I don't know. Is he better than Puskas? We're not sure. Probably not. He's not no, he's better, not better than Chow a third option because Zhao you know there's no promises that Zhao will play any more than half the matches because he's always injured if he is if Zhao stays fit we have no need for Pedro Mendes especially now we're at the cup as well but I guess it doesn't harm harm to have another option especially if he's only on loan I don't think I saw an option to buy so it strikes me as just a loan just covering the wages or some of the no doubt percentage of the wages but I just can't see it you know it's a low risk but presumably low no reward to move. But I don't think it's um, the worst piece of business in the world.
0: Well, it's sent 23 records. so I can look through that. He's not played in it since February 2020, obviously, because it would have been suspended because of COVID, and then he's gone on loan this window. But he had 28 goals in 36 appearances in that year. He had a goals per 90 of 0.77, and his XG per 90 for that season as well was 0.51. Which it was a good signs. so I was like, oh, fair enough. But then you look at who he's playing for, Port and Lisbon, who are probably, if not one of the best academies in Portuguese football. Mm. and <laughs> You're undoubtedly going to be more successful when you're playing in a side as strong as Lisbon's. So he's not really achieved anything at senior level in his very limited appearances. I think you touched on it there, James. Of Is he actually better than Puskas? To be honest, Puskas has been injured most of the season. He's not really had an opportunity. He had a very solid first campaign in England. I just think it just doesn't seem to make sense. And I've got down here, agency signing question mark. To be linked to that repeatedly, would that suggest Reading's recruitment isn't from the manager, it's from an agency or it's from external sources?
2: What is interesting though is our Mary's manager is currently Jose Gomez. Yes. Obviously Reading manager last year. So that could suggest, you know, that Gomez was that interested in signing that player. I don't know about before Gomez was there, or I don't know about now, but for Gomez to have been in charge of Reading and linked with the player, and now, but then again, he's only played 10 times under Gomez. If this yeah. is behind him, then maybe it does suggest there's a, a bit more of a kind of darker arts at play. But
0: it's not darker arts, it's just an agency. You look at a lot of clubs have it. Wolves are the pinnacle of it. They managed to get bloody Ruben Neves because they happen to tie up with the same agency that their manager, their owner, and everyone else was owned by. Like, it's it's not illegal. It's he just he is part
2: owner. I'd over it. rather the manager have the Ish. control. He's the one putting the players out. But you know that's obviously not how modern sort football
0: of works. I, don't know. I I can't speak. I don't know what Reading's recruitment is. They might have a very solid model in place with the transfer committee. They all discuss it. They bring data, life scouts, managers. Yeah, but
2: the, the only other player that we brought in this year that we were linked with in previous windows is Josh Laurent and if he's any, any similar in terms of his impact to Josh Laurent then he'll be a player in a so I, I'd like to have a look and think of the positive aspect of his signing
0: mm-hmm. uh, No, there's, he's got some good under-23 numbers so don't get me wrong he looks alright at under-23 levels in a very I I will confess I'm not a Portuguese football fan I've never watched <laughs> extensively under-23 football in Portugal but it's the lack of success at senior level. But then again, you'd also argue lack of opportunity at senior level.
2: But then again, let's face it, if Zhao stays fit, he doesn't probably play much anyway. So he's only really going to be there as a, as a backup option for injuries or to chuck on with 10 minutes to go for a bit of height in the box. So I, I saw don't think that.
0: someone said he comes in as a mentor under Zhao because Zhao is two currently very similar builds and in t- in styles. Mm. You know, does that then. Mean- benefit the club more that they've got someone like Kushao supporting a young player that
2: they potentially can mod? It'll I think it'll benefit well I think it will if there's a, if there's an option to
0: buy. Him. But then I
2: think maybe I don't know just loosen him up and, and get him into the groove of things this half a year, sign in next year who knows he could be could be you know ready to, to well, That's him. the
1: thing as well, isn't it? It's only a loan. We're only linked with a loan. So if we don't like him, we don't keep mm. him. We don't have to buy him. So, I'd I'd like to see it happen. Just you know, if he doesn't impress, then he doesn't sign. So you yeah, can't be on that high
2: wages if a Spanish second division side are able to to bring him in. I mean, they're not going to be able to afford huge amounts of wages, not at all, so especially
1: it, for a player that's not playing.
2: Yeah, so it strikes me very much as a as a um, a low low risk move where 100%. if it works, it works, if it doesn't, I don't think we'll lose too much sleep over it. We can finally put that rumour to bed and not be literally never again if it doesn't work.
0: Do you think it's one of them quiz questions that will come up in the next 10 years name of name the striker that had 10 appearances yeah. <laughs> on a loan spell in the exactly. 2021
2: 20, season? But like Sandro vizer who joined the Lichtenstein International didn't make a single first-year appearance in two years. Christ knows still why that man was signed, but... Hopefully, Pedro Mendes has slightly more impact on it than he did.
0: Brentford had their own Portuguese story. We had someone called Bettinho who signed one season. Yeah, he was, uh, it was Benham's like that next gen uh, sports star tournament, and he was out sporting Lisbon at the time. And he came to Brentford, and basically his release fee was like 150 million euros at the time. Yeah. And he was yeah. four of as yeah. one of those big things, and, War- and he was loved, and Warburton loved him. He just never played. He just disappeared. He played one or two games, and no one ever saw him ever again. Yeah. It was just. Olle
2: Ola- Ola- John was similar. He came on loan to Reading. People wanted to sign him, but he had like a forty-five million pound release clause. And we just finished seventeenth in the championship, so there's no way in hell we were ever going to get Olle John back. And then he went to Bolton next year and played one match, I think. And, and he's now playing in the in the Dutch second division. So I don't think he. Uh, maybe it just happened to to work out at Reading, but. They do certainly love their big release clauses out in
0: Portugal. I think you're trying to protect yourself from a Ronaldo situation of where he gets picked up for what at the time was pennies.
2: Yeah, so, but I guess it could hinder the development of the player if the player's not allowed to make that big move because you can't afford him. Hmm. But, you know, it, it, it covers... You know, It's good from the club's point
0: of view because you're guaranteed
2: you're more or less that big fund if he does come out good. That's
0: just... Very strange these players that pop fall through the cracks. I we'll we'll
2: scores two. Brentford.
0: What's that, Job? Sorry, he like, cut Brentford off for
2: some. the winning goal against Brentford for the rescheduled match.
0: Yeah, we've done the COVID bit. But I'll be first so. <laughs> Right, we'll bring up the last last player for us, which is Callum Styles, who I've just covered on the Twitter account for anyone that wants to go have a look at his stats for the season interesting one for me is one of those that obviously when burry folded got picked up by barnsley looked pretty solid from my view from in the left back left wing back system i think statistically he's much better to, he comes out very highly defensively but obviously that comes down to the nature of barnsley being a bit more expansive and open so it would tend to increase his defensive action output one thing on video i did highlight though was a key area that i wanted to look at was his defensive positioning It quite often was flat-footed and the balls were being played down that channel when Mads Joel Anderson was having to come across and clear. Again, that may be down to a bit of the system that he's in, obviously, that 3-4-3 thing where he's expected to push up, but then also sit back. I did also think he lacked somewhat on the offensive side of the ball with his progressive play. But at the age of 20, it depends on the cost of this one for me as a Brentford fan. If they're going to look for 10... Or well, 5-10 to 10 million is he necessarily a player that I would bring in currently really because I think there's better value elsewhere especially in lower divisions but I do see very similar, uh, similarities between him and Henry 2-3 years ago of where they are both pretty raw playing in sides that play some good football that Walsall team that Henry was in with Smith was very very good and it would be an interesting set-up to sit in behind Henry. Tom Thompson's obviously now left on loan to Swindon for a season, or for the rest of the season. And at the age of 21, 22, is he necessarily going to be here forever? Would it be time to bring someone in underneath him now that can cover that midfield area, but also cover the left-back area? I'll leave it to you, boys, because you've got more of a neutral point of view. What have we made of him this season? Have I had a chance to look over any video on it? <laughs>
1: I haven't watched him too much, but again, the issues are issues that can be coached, I believe, not issues with him, if that makes sense. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I mean, and developing under Rico Henry, you know, you're under no pressure, really. You come, you train for a couple of years, you maybe get your chance next year or potentially the year after if Henry leaves for big money or, you know, whatever happens. So, I think, as you say, it would fully depend on price. If they are wanting, you know, ridiculous amounts for him, then I don't think it's worth the risk. But if it is only a... I say only. If it is a million pounds or below, then I think it's worth the risk. But anything more, and I don't think it's worth
0: so, it. a free investment though. If Henry sells for the twenty to twenty-five million that we think we could get for him, I think spending them five million on someone to replace him—it's all about perspective, isn't it? So, I think I it doesn't necessarily matter as much.
1: Well, at the moment, is he a five million pound player? Don't think so. Maybe, maybe two million. I think, but yeah, it's an interesting. one.
0: I think. It's that reinvestment. It's just, yeah, relative to what you spend. So I think if you do spend 5 million on him and then he has two, three good seasons, he's then worth 25, 30 again. You know, when you sign players like Tony, he was 5, 10 million pounds. How much would a Premier League club roughly pay for him now? You know, if a player comes in and does well, their value will double or triple on what we've spent on them. So, uh, not necessarily, just in the case of if Henry did leave. If Henry was to walk, if we didn't get promoted this season for whatever reason, I do think someone like Stiles would probably slot in. He looks good. I think mean, there's a few things that need glossing over, but I've been impressed with him this season, especially in a very, very good Barnsley side that are defying all expectations currently.
2: Barnsley have impressed you, haven't they? They seem to be your, your go-to team. Um, so
0: currently in the FO yeah but well
2: are not and ketones yeah it'd be interesting to see someone from that setup move across to to your team hmm. someone that you your the team you admire well, i think he's doing pretty well for a player that wasn't wasn't signed as a left back or a wing back hmm. he's averaging the most tackles per game of anybody in the whole league which i think is too bad going but as i get as you said earlier he's probably going to have to make more tackles in a team that you'd expect to be up there because you'd have less of the ball and um but no, I think three goals and two assists as well, considering he is at wing-back. I know another big podcast, a second-tier podcast, had him as their player of the... As left wing-back, they had him as player of the year so far. Both of them, which I think is quite high praise for people that watch the league so strongly, such as ourselves and, and them, obviously. But I don't think he'd be a bad signing. I think it'd be good to watch him grow. He'd be a good project for for someone like Brentford to, to mould him into that player that would be good enough to get into your
0: first team. Yeah, it's just that case of how much you're willing to part with, and I'm not in the loop with Barnsley fans. I don't know how highly they value him as that type for that money. But yeah, well, I'll be interested to see where they, where this one goes. Brentford are an odd one for this window of like we kind of need improvement, but then we're also stuck comfortably fourth in the league and been doing really well. So then, do we break the bank and try and cement that or push on? But then you're again, look, it's the whole recruitment model is very difficult to do. Do you now look for players that are ready to step in immediately? Do you look for players to develop, like styles, potentially? You know, where does it go? I know Brentford's director of football spoke a lot in the summer about this shift in direction, this, this window. We were no longer signing players to be good in a year. We were signing players to be good now. Your Tonys, your goddesses. They were coming into the team expecting to hit the ground running. And Goddard has obviously signed Permanent today, but struggled with a lot of Osfield issues in the last three years. I don't know how much you, you boys know about his situations or the story behind what's happened.
1: Not a lot really, to be honest. Fill me in.
0: But basically his agent turned up to Brentford last summer, allegedly, and there was two of them and one agent didn't know who Brentford was. The other agent did. Um, he was meant to have signed a contract in Spain but then ended up in France because the other contracts had already been signed in France by his other agent. He then got fined quite heavily, and I think he was banned as well, from FIFA, of having this dual agent because he broke the contract he'd signed with one club or something. He's then had injury issues as well on top of that. Also now playing in another league. So you can imagine, he's probably had quite a rough time for the last three years. So mm. I think hopefully he steps in. Um, Gets to, and gets back to his level. It's, he's 27 now, he's got three years at Brentford until he turns so to his 30th. I mean, he will be an interesting addition. But, we'll finish it up now because this is a bit of a short episode. I know last week I kept you around for just over two hours for this one, so I think just over the 50-minute mark, we can wrap it up here. If I had to pin it to you now, who do you think will be the nuts transfer to go through in the Championship? If we had to pick one player that's going to come in the most likely, who would we say? Um, Jared,
2: Jared Braithwaite, I think.
0: I think that'll be a matter of hours
2: before that feels mm-hmm. um, personally.
1: Yeah. <sighs> I, I, yeah. Loans, I think, rather than permanence. i <laughs> just uh, you just trumped me with
0: any loan Possibly yeah. <laughs> i know, I'll do back out for that one to be fair though Because of the market and the finances I don't think we'll see many permanents
2: Loans or free we... agents coming in Because Jackson Irving has been a free agent all year And he went and joined, Hipsy joined yeah, it... he Did he join yesterday? Yeah Yeah well, so Yeah, that's interesting <laughs> Don't quite think that would be covered In our podcast With no, the okay. Uh, okay. championship poker how much as it be interesting
0: right gents thanks for your time again today everyone that's listens and follows and likes and subscribes massively appreciate it please do share it wherever it really does support the podcast everywhere thank you and we're on to the next one